0: Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast.
1: With your host, Todd Martin. We've got Dale Brisby on our podcast today, um, the Go Time Podcast. So, um, Dale, uh, can you give us a little bit of, like, can you give us a little bit of a background on... um, I guess probably the biggest one would be like how what got you into rodeo um, from the beginning? Like what what made what made Del Brisby? Del Brisby.
0: Oh well, I've kind of always had an attraction to uh, adrenaline type activities, Um, specifically. Well, you know, being born in the Western world, that's you know happened to be ended up being bull riding and bronc riding and you know training colts and Maul Man who. uh, managed a ranch and, um, we just, we grew up ranching. And so I think if I'd have been born, you know, outside of Denver, Colorado somewhere, I probably would have been a, try to be a professional snowboarder. If I'd have been born down in Florida, I'd have probably been a skier. So anyway, um, yeah, I just, kind of attracted to the uh, rodeo way of life, the freedom that comes along with it, and uh, found out quickly I was the greatest
1: at it. So I went all in. Um, so, um, so did your dad play a, a big role in that, like, getting started with, with like, going that direction? Was it more because you were following along the lines of, like, what your dad did or was it a bit more of, uh, did there was more of a draw to it than just what he was doing?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I've not really thought of them as separate things, you know, just because I think that when you're rodeoing much like I'm sure anything in life, be it football or race car driving, you know, you, uh, you always hit a roadblock or, you know, you have mom, you know, or some people do Dale Brisby never does, but when those things hypothetically came into my life, you know, my old man was a very, um, significant inspiration for me and knowing that he had been through similar struggles, he was able to, uh, he was able to walk me through that. He was able to encourage me and and he was able to, you know, shine light on the path ahead, which, uh, just proved to be, really big for where I was going and where I am going, you know, it, it, it really helped paint a vision of what life as a rodeo cowboy was like. Um, <clears throat> so I got to watch him endure that. I got to watch him do that. I, they were, they're one in the same rodeo and my old man in my mind were, were the same thing. So I've not really ever thought of them as separate things now that you mention it.
1: Huh? Uh, I guess the reason why I ask, um,
0: I don't know that I was built to be, there were times in my life where especially not never really with bulls, but with bucking horses, there were times in my life where I was, I was, I felt like borderline terrified and, um, it made me want to go after it further and and harder. It made me want to do it. Um, and having watched my old man compete and do those things and, and I think there was probably times where he was scared, it was uh, I just wouldn't take no for an answer. And so I think <clears throat> had I not been raised in a with a rodeo background, just my personality type, I probably would have figured, picked something different if it if it weren't for my old man. Um, maybe I'm not saying that different than rodeo, but different than, you know, I probably would have just riding bulls maybe, but, um, um but I w I don't know that I would have rode bucking horses, which I would have done a disservice
1: to myself because I love it. Huh? That's great. You know, I, I, I made the attempt when I was in high school, I got on <clears throat> two bulls and, um, and then we went down to, gosh, this is like forever ago, but, um, went and got on two bareback courses down in Robstown. And it took me two times to realize that I didn't want to get, I, for one, by the second one, I didn't have any pants to wear for, for, for yeah. it like ripped off of me. And I don't think I could, my arm could stay attached to my body much longer if I was going to do it much longer. And, and not and the, at least the way that I was doing it. And I figured I'd try and write something that was a little more broke um, or at least trying to figure out how to write something that's more broke. But I guess the reason why I asked that is that, um, so I didn't come from that kind of background. I came from, um, my dad was a computer repairman and my mom was a bookkeeper. And I, I was raised around agriculture and all the other ag kids. And it's all I wanted to do. And my dad was real supportive in doing it and stuff. But um, uh uh, I, I just did, I kind of had to keep knocking on that door cause it just wasn't as readily available. And I guess that's what I really enjoyed about the TV show that you, that you did the, the, um, how, uh, how to be a cowboy on, on Netflix and that we, and well, I guess I should, I should in, introduce my sidekick <coughs> that is here with me. This hey, is how Dad.
0: are you? Hi. <laughs> Good to and meet you.
1: what did you say your name was? <clears throat> Daphne. Well, it's good to meet you, Daphne. Um, Daphne did have, I guess, before we go too far, she did want to have, she had a couple questions she wanted to ask you. Sure. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Why do you always wear
0: sunglasses? I'm a man of mystery and I got something to hide. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good
1: answer. What was the other one? How old is Boom?
0: Boone will be 22 in a couple of months. Yep, he's an he's an old man in horse years. So, mm. but just old enough to to buy himself a drink.
1: <laughs> um, Daphne's horse. How old is Hobo? He's she's twenty something. I think we stopped counting um, after 20.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he uh, he's been a good one. He's going to be really hard to replace. I'm working on a, a colt right now. He'll be in an upcoming video. His name's Birdman. And uh Birdman, he'll be pretty he's pretty gentle. So he he he's got potential to be a boon replacement. I don't
1: know that he'll ever be a boon though. Oh,
0: cool.
1: So all right. Well, she wanted to ask <laughs> that and then I was gonna she was gonna head on. You bet. Well, it's good to meet you, Daphne. Me too. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Um so I guess like the thing that I found the most intriguing about your show are the the particularly Netflix part. The other stuff, I love the comedy and I love all that kind of stuff and, and the humor that's all around rodeo. But um, something that I find really intriguing and 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 something that I think is missing in a lot of stuff is the 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 the, the, the men that are in the agriculture industry in, in whether it's rodeo horses or just, you know, in, in rural like type of, 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 jobs or whatever agriculture. Um, so many of us actually had active men in our lives kind of growing up and that would, you know, invest in this, whether it was hard or pushing or joking and laughing or whatever, but there was a lot of that like guidance. And, and I see that, it, it done in a really cool way with like the kids that you have around you and stuff like Donnie and, and some of those that you, that I see that you're, you're kind of putting time into them. And, and, um, and I think that if that hadn't have been done with me, with a bunch, with other older gentlemen that were willing to teach me and willing to take me in, cause I was just a kid that I had no idea. I took my first riding lesson when I was 21 and I made a career out of training horses. Well,
0: Yes, sir. A hundred percent. I've always known that there was an extreme value in wise counsel. You know, even now as a businessman, I've got <clears throat> people that I call on daily and there's different things in my life, areas of my life where I've got um, individuals who help me. You know, I've got two or three friends where <clears throat> since my dad has passed, if it's rodeo or ranching related, I'm going to call on these two or three friends a couple of them manage ranches and, and just are, you know, have a sound mind when it comes to giving advice. Um, and the, and they know me. And so they've got the context when it comes to business. I've got two other individuals since my granddad, who is an entrepreneur, he passed. Um, I usually wouldn't tip a waitress without calling him, but I've got two friends, uh, that are business savvy and they know me. So they've got context. Um, when it comes to, personal motivation. You know, I've got a couple of people that I'll text or call and just uh, seek guidance there. When it comes to my spiritual walk, it's my preacher. But I've got a list of eight, nine, 10, 12 people that um, some of them I call on a couple times a week, three times a week. Others I'll call on once a month or every quarter. And there's not necessarily a rhyme or a reason. But outside of prayer and heavy Bible study, I'm constantly seeking wise counsel when it comes to running my business, um, interacting with my family, with my coworkers, um, meaning my employees. So um, I've I've always valued that um, as a rodeo cowboy, as a cowboy, as a businessman, as a man, as a Christian. You know, I think that it's important to keep people around you who you emulate who you'd like to emulate. Um, and, and, you know, they say the, you know, your top five friends, that's who you become. And I believe that. Um, but I also don't mind, you know, or the top, your five, top five friends, you know, you're going to have the average of their income, you know, and, 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 I don't, I don't put much weight into that. You know, my old man died with $800 in his account and we split it four ways and I wouldn't trade that for any amount of money, the kind of man he was, I wouldn't trade that for any kind of money. So when I say all these things, I don't think, and and you have to, as a rodeo cowboy, not look at success through the lens of money. Matter of fact, the only reason that a lot of rodeo cowboys look at money at all is because that's how they keep score at a PRCA. You know, I've got buddies of mine that, that they wouldn't care about money that you could go by just points and that they, they would care less about money, but they just love that lifestyle. So anyway, it comes full circle. Um, and in my intern program, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's happened naturally over the years. The very first intern that I had on video, his name was, uh, Dean Sutton. And, uh, it was five, six years ago, but he wasn't really the first intern, um, meaning like a young man who wanted to learn how to rodeo, who I brought in my life and helped mentor him. He was probably more like the seventh, eighth or ninth intern. And uh, we've had dozens since then. Right now, under my employee, we've got uh, nine interns. Um, But even before How to Be a Cowboy, the idea of How to Be a Cowboy, the idea of the show plot came from me talking to this production company. And I said, hey, I'm getting dozens, um, sometimes 50, 75 messages a day on how do I get started ranching? How do I get started rodeoing? And I said, let's give these, you know, let, let's tell these people how to do that. And um, so, through those questions, I would get people wanting to intern for me. And so, the, the system I've got here where they can come in, they can work at the warehouse, and then I'll mentor them and how to ride a horse, how to ranch, how to rodeo, ride bulls. Um, it's very niche, very specific, but there's not a lot of places where they can come do this. And <clears throat> the reason I'm so familiar with how valuable that is as an opportunity for someone is because I've been in their shoes. There's not a lot of practice pins in Texas where you can go get on bareback, saddle bronc bull riding or bullfighting. There's not mm-hmm. a lot in, there's definitely not a lot outside of Texas. Um, <clears throat> and so if you could go and live at that place, practice multiple times a week, also work there, have the freedom to go rodeo, um, not be scared if you come in the next day and you, you, you're on crutches, you not be scared that you're going to get fired. That's a rarity, you know? And I think that, um, <clears throat> what, what we have here is a tremendous opportunity for a young person if they're trying to rodeo. And so essentially it's, it's, a uh, it's, it's a neat thing and, uh, it was fun to highlight it on how to be a cowboy. Um, and I, I, I think that, the future of our industry depends on those kind of situations where people can learn this this trade it isn't
1: I'm curious if you see it the same way, but isn't that what you're doing is is essentially discipleship a
0: hundred percent yeah uh, most of my discipleship is is most of my ministry um, so to speak is one on one. know i get to i'll post a scripture i post a billy graham video we'll we'll make some mentions of stuff in videos uh you know along the way and if people follow me closely they'll find out pretty quickly that i'm a christian and then they start to recognize that there's not a lot of profanity or alcohol or um you know just vulgarness within our videos Not that I think that if that exists, a person can't also be a Christian, but but when we're trying to be a light in a dark world, we want to be the best example of a Christian that we can. Right. And um but it however, also, as as much as we try true. to do that in our content,
1: most of our ministry is one on one. Um my dad used to tell me that um the best sermons that he ever um that he ever saw were the ones that were never spoken. Yeah, and, sir. Uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, it, I, I think when the way that you conduct yourself and the way that you do, you know, and the things that you're doing, you're, if anything, you're being more of a, you know, it's almost a broader sense of discipleship. I think, you know, on uh, well, our, our example, did the exact same thing, too. I mean, he had his, his you know, his tight group that he you know did one-on-one with and did most of his life with but he also at the same time you know had a broad scope that he a broad brush that he painted out there too and and drew others in also but um even his disciples were the ones that were you know they were being representatives of him you know not perfect and thank goodness for that, that we don't have to do that but that you know that, that your your life should be a representative of it not not even, I mean, it's, it's not that your life has got to be perfect, but more that your life should be a reflection of somebody who has a desire to try, you know, more than anything else.
0: Yeah, sir. We have a weekly Bible study in this morning. We read in chapter two of Philippians, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I think that, um, we talk about this analogy a lot. It's one my preacher has used, but it's kind of like if you show up to Texas A&M to go to school and you show up to your orientation, you're about to be a freshman, hadn't even started classes yet. And at orientation, they hand you your diploma and they say, all right, you're graduated. You know, you've got your diploma. Here it is. Put it in a plaque, hang it on the wall. But over the next four years, you need to Still, go to your classes and learn this stuff, and that's how our salvation is. You know, once we believe in Christ and we receive Him, we our our name is secured in that Lamb's Book of Life, <clears throat> and then we're called to um, be obedient to this word thereafter. But it, but the salvation itself is a gift. Salvation is, um, and a gift is something you don't earn. A wage is something you earn. So we were given a gift in salvation. Um, It's not a wage that we have to earn and then we're given it. And so I think it's important to be, to work out our salvation and to be a light in a dark world, but that is so that people can see that love, see that it's definitely not from us because humans, you know, um, fail all the time and then wonder about it, ask us about it. And, but, but you're right. I think that definitely it's, it's, it's something that is way more impactful when people can watch it lived out, you know, and I've got friends that, um, I feel like I have a ministry with that it has taken years to make an impact, you know, decade to make an impact. And part of that is just, they're not ready or they weren't ready. And now they're getting that way. And so that's all in God's timing. I don't have control over that, but I do have control over me. So
1: yeah it's uh um I'm curious what you think is the is the draw to a lot of young young kids that are wanting to know what what's the draw that that um that makes them want to want this lifestyle or want this not you know rodeo but not just rodeo agriculture and and the the, the animals and the interaction and and all that comes along with it not I mean I, I loved, uh, I love training horses. I love going and competing on horses and stuff. But I, uh, the thing that I love about it is, is kind of the atmosphere around it. You know, the people that I'm running around with the fun that we have and, and, you know, and the humor, but the love and everything else that comes along with it, but learning how to do life with all the people that I do life with on those deals, uh, are, are really a blast. But I also, I just wonder what you see in these, in the young people, the young kids that are coming <laughs> wanting to want in that life. What do you see? This is the draw to them.
0: Well, you know, Chris will do has a song that you just can't see him from the road. And I think that that's what in the whole purpose of that song was, he was saying that, uh, people think there's not cowboys anymore, but Chris was saying there are cowboys. You just can't see us from the road. Well now with Snapchat, And Dale Brisby putting out videos, and other people starting to post pictures, and you know you can see us from the road. And there's always been an intrigue with you know the cowboy, and you know people all over the country. I mean, all all around the world are familiar with Texas, and they think that everyone in Texas wears a cowboy hat and rides a horse to school. Well. that might be the extent of what they know. They may see a funny commercial that involves a cow and a horse. <laughs> maybe they watch part of a Western. But essentially, um, their people's knowledge of the Western industry is very limited. Well, now with the with the internet, it's it's becoming something that they're able to research a little more and they'll follow somebody like Adele Brisby and watch maybe how to be a cowboy, Yellowstone, et cetera. And I think it'll pique their interest. And that's why, sorry. I've got food in my mouth. Um, so that's why I think that, that, the the industry has growth ahead. I believe personally, from my experience down in the weeds. Um, and, and I think there's a number of things that will draw people to that. Number one, if, if you were sitting in, in, for instance, a buddy of mine, uh, one guy that's reached out to wanted to be an intern, he's downtown Chicago and he was a model, but he had like a granddad's brother or something that was a cowboy and rode bulls. And so he's just super intrigued. Well, without the internet, like he just ha- would have no idea living in Chicago, Illinois. And now all of a sudden he's interested, wants to be an intern. We've talked about it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if he's really that serious, but the point is, it's like, um, he wants to just chase that lifestyle because he's tired of the one he's in. And he sees a, a lifestyle that, that um, has integrity to it. It's got a, a sense of morals. There's a code. And then there's also some excitement and adventure when you think about rodeo, whether you're talking about a roping event or something with a little more adrenaline to it. And, uh, you know, the rough stock into the arena with the ranch inside of things. It's become cool to be cowboy it's become cool to be on a horse. People will go to a friend's house who has a horse just so they can take a picture of those horses ears and say something about like, so glad this is my office Monday morning, you know, or whatever kind of catch yeah. it. Like, like just those horse ears in a picture are, are a thing. Now it's a trend. And, um, I lo- love it. I love every aspect of it because some of those people, they may come over here posers or not, they uh, they're going to become a fan of the industry and in the future, they're going to have families. They're going to buy the clothes. They're going to attend the rodeos. They're going to watch the videos. They're going to they're going to spend money in the industry and it's going to just further our cause. So I'm not sure what all reasons people would, you know, there's when it comes to rodeo, you kind of have to do it to realize why people do it because you can't really speak to the camaraderie that comes along with it. Like just the chills that go up my spine when I walk up and set my rigging bag down and you smell that fresh arena dirt, you know, that uh, inside of, like there's just nothing like it. And so on that side of things, I think it's just pure curiosity. Um, it looks easier than it actually is. And from that point, people are like, the, you know the meatheads that are like, I can do that, you know, pure curiosity. But then when they get in there, they realize there's more to it than just, you know, grunting it out. So it's, it's a lot of different things, a lot of moving parts. The other side mm-hmm. of it is just the pure romance of, you know, a sunset and a beautiful horse running with its mane and hopefully you're, you know, on, on its back or just watching it run. Um, It's a cool lifestyle, and and there's people out here that try to make it look cool, and they do a good job of that, and and they're
1: really good ambassadors. Um, something that I've noticed with, I I get quite I get kids that come in for lessons, and I have a lot of adults that come in for lessons, and a lot of the ones that come in, you know, my demographic for my business is a lot more of the middle aged um, person who's you know has gone off and you know seek their fortune, worked like crazy and been in town and you know had a job that for 20 years and now they want to go out and finally have some fun and and do something that they've always, you know, dreamed of doing or you know hey, they man. remember a the at grandpa's, you know, or great grandpa's ranch somewhere and or whether it was a carnival or what. But um they had that draw and I I've, I've kind of more or less for myself have kind of come to the conclusion that um I think when you grow up living in town and you, you're, you know, the, the sights and the sounds of, you know, artwork and concrete. And, you know, when you go into town to to one of the big rodeos and like San Antonio or Houston or whatever, I think we just pop in and out for such a short little time that, um, we don't I think when you live in there and you see concrete and big buildings and art and you're in awe of the things that are done and made and created, they're really, really cool. And I don't disagree, but um, I think you lose sight of the beauty of creation. I think that uh, you can walk right by a leaf and forget that it does photosynthesis and how awesome it is and how much creation it is and what it says in creation. Creation just screams what, you know, a, a lot of things. Right. And, and it's not, it's no big coincidence that whenever you're, you know, banging it out in the corporate world or whatever else, that every single one of them goes back to get reconnected. They go to nature and, um, you know, that he speaks to us through nature, um, that we start to see so much through nature. And that's, oh, and, and, and I see that draw because there's so much truth in, in, in creation. And so when they, you know, you can not think about, you drive a car really fast and then, you know, might get a little scared or whatever else. but man, it didn't take, but getting within 10 feet of a big bucking bull to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up and you ain't even getting close enough to touch it. And, and there's a danger in creation too, that, um, that this, you can't find anywhere else.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely, you know, I, I could see in college I had a, I was a TA, um, and, um, in grad school actually. And so I, it was a very short time, but I had a, an office job and, um, um, I was college rodeoing. And so that's, that was the main reason why I, I really wasn't you know, motivated to stay and go to grad school was because I had more college, uh, rodeo eligibility. And mm-hmm. so, um, I found myself anyway, the only reason why I say that is because I could see why it would be easy for someone you know, with a, a nine to five office job that could get out of touch with with reality. But, you know, there's also people in the Western industry that could get out of touch with, with reality. I mean, if you've been around it your whole life, you know, there'll come a point where the bucking bull doesn't raise the the hair on the back of your neck. And it, it might get mundane and monotonous and you find yourself in a slump and you've got to remind yourself. So I think that problems are problems, you know, no matter what industry we're in. And um and 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 there's some people that come to this industry for um, the right reason. Like you said, you know, like they, it's been a dream and they're finally chasing it. There's other people that come to this. Um, I had an intern who we thought was a shoe in. We called him the people's champ. Uh, That was his nickname while he was here for two weeks because he was running from problems. When he got here, he realized that this wasn't going to solve them. And, uh, and so he he had kind of an internal battle going on that didn't really have anything to do with us, but essentially he just he went back home. He missed his family and and those those problems he was running away from followed him here, and um, um, it, it was emotional, mental, you know, relationship stuff. It wasn't like he had like you know been in trouble with the law. But the point is is like at the end of the day, I think we all have you know, internal battles. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got bills. Everybody's got problems. And, uh, I think that given the culture we're in, in this Western industry, we're able to maybe find the solution to those problems easier. But at the end of the day, I believe the only solution is, is, is our faith in God, specifically Jesus. And so, Mm. um, that's been, that's been one of the things I've been, you know, because like I said, you get to see that sunset, see that bucking bull, see them horses running every day. I mean, you can still have bad
1: days when you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. I mean, I I think about that, that, you know, I don't spend much time in, in town and I spend my days on the back of a horse all the time and and uh and I can lose sight of it also. Um
0: you know, I mean, just like to take today and tomorrow, for instance, where it's uh, you know, single digit weather here <laughs> in texas there's gonna be uh there's gonna be a lot of cowboys that wouldn't be mad if they had an office
1: job you know no. so it, so it's all dreamy on instagram until it's like one of these days coming up where you wish it's like you wouldn't do it and you'd be doing right. something different yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah dr wheat pasture cattle in texas in january mm-hmm. and february for a couple of years and uh and that'll make you find out if you really were meant to be a cowboy yeah, that's for
1: sure. That and there ain't nothing to slow the wind down up there where you're at. Down here, it's no. a little bit different. No, there sure isn't. No, we got a few trees and some hills that, well, not big ones, but enough to kind of a little bit of a wind block. But yes, sir. Enough. So, um, so what? Uh, curious as you uh, <clears throat> as you start to age. Well, do you do do you age?
0: I don't feel like I do at all. I don't, I really don't. Like I feel young as ever, you know, I've had half a dozen surgeries, all rodeo related. And, um, man, I feel great. I run every morning and, um, I'm still, I feel like the Energizer bunny mentally more so than I was talking to somebody and I was like, Oh dang, I was driving, you know, before you were born. And, uh, and it just made me realize that like, Oh snap. But on the other hand, um, I feel like I might be
1: more immature than they are. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I embody that, the immature part. Um, yes, sir. And if, and if I don't, if I question it, I just ask my wife and then she tells me that, yeah, I am. I'm there you go. Immature. Yeah. Um, when you, uh, do you rather, do you find yourself being um, more, uh, you're still, just as eager to get on the road. You still restless. On uh for me, I get, I get, uh, I, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to get home, and I like being home. But then at the same time, I get here, and I'm about two weeks, and boy, I get the itch to want to go, at, go somewhere for at least a weekend.
0: If I, if I, I mean, when I first started rodeoing, I realized pretty quick. I never wanted to say the words. I hate driving. And so I just, I, I just, I, cause I'm a, you know, being a rodeo cowboy, you gotta rodeos are elsewhere. And so you gotta yeah. drive a lot. And so I've, I've continuously told myself, I love driving. I love driving. I love driving. And eventually I believed it and I've had a good attitude about it. And so when it's time to get on the road and go, I'm ready. Whether we're going to a rodeo or we're going to a booth or we're going to an appearance. Now I will say, I love what I do at home. so I. I <clears throat> I don't get like, I I don't mind being at home. I just, I love my day-to-day grind of making videos, ranching, we're bucking stock. Um, I love it. Absolutely. I love the people I get to go have dinner with in the evening. Um, But when it comes time to hit the road, like I'll gladly jump on some pavement and and we'll go, you know, do work. And so I, I, I feel like I've got a pretty good balance of, of, Enjoying being at the house, enjoying being on the road.
1: Yeah. Um, Do you... um, I've found over the years that keep him being... uh, Kind of the business that I I do too, with the training horses and stuff, that... I've always had a desire to stay pretty diversified in things, whether it was doing like other, um, you know, other events or whether it was doing, I was doing other breeds of horses or, you know, or that kind of deal. And as I did, I would narrow it down and got, you know, more and more towards just reigning horses and then just a certain breed and whatever else. But I've always tinkered around at different things. Like I had, I, don't know, I was in college. I even, you know, cleaned windows on at, at one of the malls, you know, and just picked up an extra job of just going by and cleaning windows on the way into to going to college. And and um, you know, I'd started like a t shirt deal and I'd make saddles and i you know, went even went to auctioneering school. Do you do you um and Jenny, I guess mostly because there's so many different things to intrigue me. I like learning about all kinds of stuff. Um I've noticed that kind of like you're even what you, with what you do as, or as, you know, ranching, but also rodeo. And it's still, you're still pretty diversified, whether you're mentoring other ones and teaching them how to bull ride, or you're, you've got your business of, you know, merchandise, or you've got a business of, you know, rodeoing or your stock or, um, how diversified are you? And is that a, is that you feel like you're pulled too much in different directions? Or do you feel like you're, um, you know, kind of happiest when you've got fingers and everything?
0: Uh, the latter, you know, I think that I'm pretty diverse. I've got, you know, I've got some cows, the, the rodeo production side of things is not an income. You know, it could be potentially in the future with JB, but right now it's more of a, an experience which is completely okay with me. I realized that going into it,
1: but are you buying uh, them? Or bre- are you breeding them or are you just buying them? And- we're, we're, we're breeding them. We're breeding okay.
0: them. Yeah. JB does a lot of trading on his own. You know, he's got, a, he's got a bull place in Stephenville and, he's, he's this boy partnered with so-and-so that boy partnered with so-and-so these four, he owns on his own, these bucking cows over here um, are mine and his, he's got one, you know, he just, he's got all kinds of stuff going on. But, um, yeah, so those two things, I don't even necessarily count as income at all. Um, with, with ranching, just cause there's some, there's some years that you just, you don't make any money, but as mm-hmm. far as business, I'm pretty with what I do on the internet, you can make you can make money three different ways on the internet. You can sell a product, you can uh, have a sponsor, uh, or you can offer a service. Um, so the more followers you have, the more opportunities you have for each, or the more you can charge. So I, we we do all three. We sell a product. We um, we have sponsors. I've got four, and then uh, the the third way, the service. You know. You know, you can create content for someone. We've got another service coming that we might uh, service type company that we might start. But essentially, <clears throat> the more um, followers you have, the more opportunity for income you have within each of those three revenue streams. Well, the way you get more followers is by bringing more value through um, content M- might be educational, motivational, or comedic. And, and we, we're in the latter. So we like to make people laugh a little bit of educational sometimes, but mostly it's, it's all about humor. And so I've got a team next to me in the room. There's five people in there. I've got a sixth guy, my brother who's contract labor, but they're all media. Like every day we're, we're editing, we're filming, we're filming, we're doing more editing distribution. We want to put out 116 pieces of content a day across various platforms Holy <laughs> and the 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 most important thing is bring and underneath that i've got our goal on a whiteboard in there and underneath that it says bring value so don't post a post just to reach that 116 number it, it needs to make somebody laugh it needs to be interesting inspirational typically make somebody laugh um but the one thing i do tell them is don't put too much stock in the quality of the production so hmm. you, so you know you don't need to overvalue the you know if something's fuzzy but it's hilarious still post it right. um so when i say quality i don't necessarily mean the content quality meaning like was the joke funny i mean the production quality is it pixelated a little bit, or did you know? Is it 720 rather than 1080p? Um, so anyhow, I say all that. I kind of, I kind of reverse engineered it. Like <clears throat> how you make money, um, you can make money a variety of different ways, of which we do. But it all is based on us doing one thing, and that's when there's power in the revenue, in the different revenue streams. I think so. If you can make money doing one thing, but you make money three or four different ways. Then all of a sudden you're, uh, you're going to ring the bell. For instance, uh, a couple of years ago, pre pandemic, we went to, um, I got recruited to, uh, do some filming and, uh, do some content for Cheyenne Frontier days. So she- Cheyenne brought us there and, um, you know, we made, we knocked this content out of the park. Well, they wanted me to post it you know, naturally. So more people would see it. And then there were some opportunities there where some of my sponsors benefited from that also. So in those videos, I'm also maybe wearing this old sun shirt. So I'm, I am tapping into all three streams of income based on that one trip and not any of the three, you know, Cheyenne that sure didn't care because you know, they're getting benefits from, posted on my platforms with millions of followers. My sponsors didn't care because now it's an authentic spot for people to see that product in work. It's not like a in your face sale. And then me being the CEO of rodeo time, I got to pick my moments where my apparel line was, was viewed. So now all of a sudden coming off of that Cheyenne trip, I'm going to make money three different ways. But essentially I went there and did one thing. So that's when that's when I think you're able to and then what you do with that money is very important. That's where it gets important. So um sales are not king, you know, cash flow is king. Uh and then, but then, like, what are you doing to build that? And so, where is where is it most ROI positive for me? It's my apparel line, so I'm putting money back into my company, into payroll, into right now. I've spent <clears throat> too much money on inventory, you know, to head off the um, supply chain issues. But then, what other investments outside of the company are are you making to to you know, kind of hedge against? you know, father time. So hedge against the dollar essentially. So I think a lot of those things come into play. Um, it's the kind of stuff I think about every day. And so I'll take a deep breath and Lisa is my, my, she's not in here right now, but she's my warehouse manager. We share an office and, um, yeah, it seems like, like, I don't, I'm not going to pack a t-shirt out there on the warehouse floor, but like I'm thinking about this huge revolving wheel of putting out content. It's got to bring value. We get a new follower. All right. How do we push them through this funnel where they could potentially become a customer? I've got to satisfy this client, this sponsor. Um, We've got this phone call for this appearance we need to make a decision on this piece of equipment that's going to be six figures. Like there's all kinds of daily decisions that, that, that pile up and that as a business owner and operator, the, the, those, it's decision fatigue, you know, um, Did you think, did you think it would get,
1: did you think it would get this big?
0: Well, <clears throat> you know, big is a relative term for me <laughs> personally, for, for me personally, it is big because, Knowing, you know, just several years ago, I was living in my sister's office <laughs> and I was working for her doctor in yearlands, her, her husband, my brother-in-law, he was the last full-time boss I had greatest boss I've ever had, but I was doctor in yearlands for $12 an hour. And so, <clears throat> which th- that was one of the happiest times in my life. And if I had to yeah. go back to that, I, you know, it would not be the end of the world. Um, so knowing that that's where I started any step ahead of that financially is, you know, is quote unquote big. So I don't know what big is by most people's standards, by my standards coming from my sister's office, you know, what we've got now, 16, 17 employees, that's big. But, um, to be honest, I, I don't, I'm not sure where it's going. Um, I think that's that's in the Lord's hand. That's in the market. Now it's in my hands too. I am the owner operator. Yep. <clears throat> but what I mean by that is, you know, <clears throat> I don't have monetary goals. I've got, you know, production goals, content goals. I, I want to get the groundwork laid out and then we build, build, build and let the sales fall where they may kind of deal. So um I'm not sure what the next step is. I just know mm-hmm. that I'm going to work extremely hard to get there and each time that i've kind of thought about where we might end up we've surpassed it so lord will and that continues to be the case but even if it isn't god is still good and i'm still having a blast so
1: um Mm. Um, that's you know it's kind of wild but it is you know it's kind of like the way that Most cowboys work period. I mean, and it still works, but um, you can have the greatest ideas, but you don't, if you don't have the work ethic, if you don't have, if you didn't have somebody, I do this with the horses and I say this to the horses quite a bit is that, you know, you can have a horse that has all the talent in the world, but if he hasn't got a work ethic, it's a waste. You know, Mm -hmm. if, if he hasn't been taught, you know, it's, it's one thing that if he has the ability, he's a natural athlete, he's incredibly good and whatever else, but he doesn't have a work ethic and he doesn't want to work for you. It's a waste. It's, it's, it doesn't matter. Right. And I see that in, you know, when I. And being, and, you know, having young people work for you over the years, I've had other, you know, assistants come in to work for me and stuff like that. And you see the ones come in and 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 I've had one, I had one thinking back about it, just one that f- come to mind right off the <laughs> bat. But this young man was, um, he was absolutely, probably the most gifted individual I've ever seen. Um, we could go out in the afternoons and whack golf balls out by the arena. And that kid could place them 300 feet down the deal and put them within six feet of wherever he wanted. It was incredible. And he could get on a horse and he had great feel. And and he just was, and he was, you know, he was infectious. He had a great personality and everything else. At everything. I mean, there was nothing that would hold him back except for himself. And he didn't, he was never taught a work ethic. He, he never had that, you um, that 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 instilled into him the pride and work and the and the pride and you know um, it didn't matter if you do have you know a ten thousand square foot house or you have a two thousand square foot house if it's kept well and kept nice the two thousand square foot house can be just as nice as the ten if it's kept well and you you work and you put your time into it and it's not falling down and but if it's ten thousand square foot and you can't keep up with it and it's falling down and cobwebs everywhere you know um it's kind of a waste in itself too. Um and and I see like that in and what I got out of what you're saying is like it's kind of the same thing that we do, you know, working in, as, you know, in this kind of industry is um that you do it, it it's it's learning that work ethic. It's learn it's it's you're just gonna keep right on working. And you know, and it's not that the Lord's will I'm gonna say well it's, what's the old saying of um, it's better than better uh, to pray for rain, but it's even better to pray for rain and plow, and it's you, it's preparing everything and pray for rain. You know, it's God's will to provide the rain or not, but it doesn't mean you stop working and you don't.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that the work ethic is <clears throat> if people haven't figured that out by now, that <clears throat> it's a prerequisite you know, if you're going to be successful at anything. Um, yeah, I mean, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, you know, that a lot of those, you know, life's greatest lessons are hidden in cliches. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's what Trevor Brazil said, you know, there is no secret to success. It's hard work and you yeah. just, he gets up early and he ropes every day. He ropes every day. He ropes every day. And, uh, and perfect practice makes perfect, not just practice. So you're not just going through the motions, you're actively, and and it's no different with what I'm doing. You know, um, I'm not, and, and, and so that's where there's, there's exercises I think a person can do that, that, um, you know, can help motivate. But uh, you know, if, if, if for some, if for somebody it's, it's setting a goal, a specific monetary goal, that's fine. You know, something to help keep you accountable that it gives you a deadline, which is, you know, deadlines help with that. I've got a vision, you know, where I want to get. And so I, I, I do of, in sorts have a goal. I just, it's just not attached to a monetary number, I guess. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that, that, one thing I've learned is, is yes, hard work is important. Having a vision is important, but how you deal and interact with people is probably one of the most important things, um, Mm. that as a businessman, at at least for sure. And it could be translated to even rodeo or, or team sports or whatever you want to talk about. But, but yeah, managing people, managing relationships, having empathy, um, like those sorts of, of traits are really important, you know? And so I, 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 I'm almost, culture in my company is, is one of, if not the most important things that I value as a, as a leader. And so um, I've had to fire people that were cancer, but they were my best producers at the same time. They, they oh, literally brought in the most money. Um, that's a hard, isn't that a hard deal to do? I mean, I, um, it's pretty tough. You know, I'm not designed that way. I'm not designed to, it. to enjoy firing people. Um, mm-hmm. I've got friends that, that don't mind it, but it's, it's not something, but, but yeah, two of the last, two of the last three people I fired were, um, they were, they, they brought in income, but you know, if if you're cancer to the culture, it just it doesn't matter, In the long run it won't work. Yeah, the the long term ROI of that is negative. Um, mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's another thing that that I would have never dreamed would be as big a deal as it is. But I mean, let's say you know if you're going to be a hundred million dollar company, I don't know how many employees that is, but hundreds. Um, you're going to get. You're only. You can't get there by yourself unless you sell a you know, software idea, like an app. But if you're going to do it any other way than that, then you're going to have to be able to have relationships with people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know that, I think that's, um, I just, I just did a, um, an interview with uh, a kid yesterday. His name's Clay Olry, and he, uh, he's a header and he, uh, as a matter of fact, just last year he won the, uh, CPRA, um, championship and heading um, oh nice up in Canada and so he just moved down here to Bernie and uh and got married and and we were we were talking about you know just some of that same old same stuff and um uh it's it just kind of it I don't know it's cool it's kind of resonates you know through through all of them. I, I wonder how uh you like with him it's a little bit more it's obvious that you gotta have a team um, in in the rough stock industry, um, there seems to be a ton of camaraderie between all of the competitors in there. Um, is how, how big are the groups of like traveling partners and, and buddies and stuff that, that you guys run around with you guys all as tight as what it seems, or is there, <clears throat> is there groups or, or what?
0: Well, um, pro, uh, PRCA rules, you can only buddy with up to four people. So four people can be in a buddy group. So me and three others, if you're entered in multiple events, it can only be one other person. Uh, So going down the road, as far as consistently rodeo after rodeo, you're going to have up to four people in a vehicle, but you know, you're going to interrupt and be in the same place. I mean, like you might see another buddy. If you go to, 40 rodeos over a you know a span of 6 weeks, 8 weeks in the summertime over a 4th of July run, you might see some of the same guys at nine of them or you know or more, you know what i mean or or 14 of them. I so didn't you know that
1: there was a buddy group rule.
0: Yeah, you can't just buddy with like eight people. You can't buddy with, you know what i mean, cuz then all of a sudden you're just some eight guys could get together and cuz you can only have they're only going to put so many people in the perf.
1: Oh, I get it. Oh, yeah, so they're not that you
0: you they wouldn't let six guys buddy together because that'd be more you know that'd be half the perf is you know one person gets to determine. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, there's a little bit of rules and regulations as far as that goes, as far as like yeah. who you actually buddy with. But outside of that, I mean, you're going to jump in and catch rides. It's it's really easy for us to catch rides with with people, and and Tommys do it too, but. Ruffies, it's way easier. We're not dragging a trailer, you know. It's pretty easy for us to whip into the airport, pick up this guy, drop off that guy. Um, so, you know, I, over the years, I've had three, four, five different guys that I can cons- half a dozen now that I'm thinking about it that I consistently rodeoed with, and then there there's another dozen or so guys that I would go to a rodeo. You know, we'd go on a weekend run together. We'd go over here. And, uh, it's the same kind of deal as what we were talking about earlier. It just depends on what kind of person you want to be. That's the kind of rodeo cowboy you need to surround yourself with. Cause mm. it's, it's easy to say, well, this is the kind of rodeo cowboy I want to be. I want to ride Bronx like this guy. I want to ride bulls like this guy, but is he also the kind of man you want to be? And so that's when you really need to, because you spend way more time with them On that personal level, then you do the professional rodeo cowboy level, you know, going to, you're going to be at the rodeo for two hours, but you might be in the car with them for 16 on the way there. And, you know, you might be with them for weeks, but so it's important to, same thing with anything in life, you know, the kind of, the kind of people you surround yourself with, are going to be a direct reflection of what, what your personality looks like at the end of the day. Yeah. But the camaraderie there is, is it's kind of like what I was talking about with my old man. Like there's times when you're down and your rodeo and your, your, your buddies pick you up and then vice versa, you pick them up. And, you know, if you've, that's why their attitude is so important. You know, if they're a negative pessimistic person, it's going to be detrimental to your rodeo. And because when you have a bad day, which in rodeo, you inevitably will, um, it's going to affect your, your rebound. Because the next bull or bronc, they're not going to know nor care that you have, are having a bad day. So, how you recover from that previous failure is going to be huge. Yeah. That's why rodeo is ninety percent mental, and the rest
1: is in your head. Hmm. When you, uh, I noticed that one of the things that you did with uh, with Donnie and on the. Uh, on the series, the TV show, um, at the end, whenever he rode his fur, rode uh, uh, at the little rodeo where he where he bucked one out, and you um, when he came when he when he when he came back and you like something I do with all my non pros is that when they come out of the pen, their attitude out of the pen is usually when when they come out is what they're going to carry back in the next time they go in to compete. And you, it, when he came out, you were like, you know, pumped him up a bunch, you know, and I know he, he wanted to beat himself up. <laughs> he wanted to be, which is what we all want to do. Cause we want to, you know, he wanted to come out of there, you know, looking like a superstar on his first time out, but you know, you came in and, you know, built him up and, 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 and encouraged him and and, and really supported him. And, and, I do that with my non-pros when they want to beat themselves up and stuff because I know that the attitude and the feeling that they come out of there with is what they're going to take back into the pin the next time that they go to compete. You've um, you, uh, uh, you, Is that something you intentionally do with them? I noticed you do that not just whenever at, at that point, but every time he got off in the pin at the house on the beaches. It was well... A, you know,
0: it, when you're rodeoing, anything you're doing in life, you know anything worth having is gonna gonna take time. And specifically bronc riding, having competed in all four rough stock events, and I include bullfighting in that, bronc riding is by far the hardest one to learn and get yeah. good at. Yeah. And so that the the pathway to get to where you can feel like you are making a difference on a Bronx is very long. And so you have to celebrate those small wins early on. Otherwise you'll just be super discouraged. Now there's another side of that coin where someone can operate under delusion and think that they're the greatest of all time when they're really not. Yeah, And that's not helpful, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to, I don't want to give someone a false, you know, you want to celebrate the wins And then, you know, here's the obvious things we need to work on. When, when you, when you interact with those kind of people that are operating under that delusion, you know, one thing we talk about is like when that gate opens in the rodeo arena, that is a very pure moment Mm. and that it's, it's baptism by fire and it will burn away any sort of false um, confidence that you have. And when that moment happens, if you're not ready, And you either need to have an excuse or you need to be willing to have a slice of humble pie, because if you're not ready, the bull or horse is going to show that to everyone. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's what I told these guys just the other day. I said, I don't care how much you work, you know, like you've got to work a certain amount. Otherwise I'm not going to let you get on. Like I'm not going to let people be dangerous out here, but essentially like I've got jump kickers. And so they're not getting on, you know, PBR finals, quality bulls, every single time, the level of, of, uh, the danger factor isn't as high as it would be in some practice bins, but I told them, I said, so I do want you to work at it. Otherwise I'm not gonna let you get on. But as far as like how hard you work, that's up to you. And, 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 and we're going to find out how hard you work when we open the gate. Yeah. So, um, you, you you can say whatever you want to me, you can post whatever you want on the internet, but that moment right there it's and that's what, you know, that's kind of the difference like with rodeo and business, that's a big difference cuz people can fake it in business. You know, you mm-hmm. can fake if you're actually succeeding in business cuz people don't look at your bank account. But with rodeo, like you come come Friday night when the gate opens, like there ain't no faking it. Mm-hmm
1: no um i like to that um i probably a lot that watched it don't see the the nuances or the small parts of it just because it takes so much of a trained eye to see when they're in timing and when they're not and you know when when he's like when he starts to really get his position on and and know where he's at um on the horse um but there was a big improvement on it. Like it was really it, it was really, really yeah. fun to watch, you know, and to see that. And really to see somebody, you know, that it's just you're not running a school, right? That is uh, you know, you know, two week school, you're pushing them in and shoving them out and tell you you're good and get a little certificate and go on your way, but that you're actually splitting the time and effort. You I, I really see that it's uh, I really see that it's, it's really cool to see someone using. You know, creation to disciple in the way that we're supposed to, like investing into other people and, and, you know, and, and giving them the opportunity to work themselves through it. It's not something that's just given to them. And, and there is so few places in, in, <clears throat> really in society anymore, period, that really, um, that does give, uh, man, that, that does give you an opportunity uh, that, that's going to. Pull the truth out of it, whether you like it or not, there's no faking it in there. And there's I mean, even the 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 layman who hasn't got a clue what's going on knows when the whistles that goes and and knows what, you know, the look of I got this on my face or I'm, you know, scared to death. <laughs> and right. Coming. Um, you just don't see that anywhere else. I mean, I'm trying to think of where else you would see that in the world of, of competition where you can fake plenty, quite a few things for quite a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of, you know, think about basketball as much as I love watching basketball bone. it comes time to shoot one. You'd be able to tell pretty easy that I don't know what I'm doing. So, um, yeah, it's the same thing in rodeo. So, um, Yeah, no, it's it's definitely something that I'm passionate about as far and and get excited about teaching a younger generation. It's something that I'd be doing with or without cameras. You know, we 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 do have buckouts where there are no cameras, and so that that's something I enjoy doing. And Lord willing, I'll get to continue to do that. And right now, it's a it's just an awesome exchange where you know I'm able to have these young people work for me, and uh, and then also. they get to pursue their dream. And at the end of the day, I believe they are getting the better end of the deal.
1: Um,
0: I really do. I don't say that, you know, you know, I say it because you know, when they leave here, they're going to have experiences. They're going to have lessons. They're going to have wisdom that they're going to take with them for the rest of their life. They will remember some of these and, and the guys that, you know, and, the guys that choose to do this as a profession and, and five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years, they're still in this industry. You know, this is their foundation that, 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 that career was built on me. However, when they leave here, I will have to hire someone to do the job they're doing. And so <clears throat> now the job they're doing here is impactful and it's helping my career. But it's, sure. but the point is, is like, when they, when they leave, they get to take with them
1: what I gave them. When, when, oh, and I, I chuckle about that when you said that, cause I just, I know I, I, you know, I'm, I'm 52 years old and I remember being that, you know, and I got it like still etched in my memory of, you know, rolling <laughs> up to Elgin to get on that, you know, Brendel bull. I mean, I remember what she looked. I remember I was red, wearing red high top tennis shoes, you know, cruising in with playing, you know, a little bit of ACDC and, you know, getting ready to go ride my first bull. And I still remember that. That's, you know, you know, 30 some odd years ago. Yep. And, and I, and I chuckle at that because, you know, it's the, it's those big grand ideas and things that you got to do and accomplish that you'll be able to talk about for the rest of your life. Yes. And they were in there and they're impactful. They're, they're, they're things that you get to do that, you know, very well may make a mark on somebody, you know, for the rest of their lives, that it was something that, you know, it was either a highlight and it could have been just a highlight, but it also could be something that changed the path. And, you know, uh, got him to thinking about a different way or, you know, inspired him to go and, you know, put that work and effort into whatever it else is, is going to do down the road? Yes, um, sir. No, those things are really cool. It's impactful. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, yeah, it sure was a nice conversation. I, I enjoyed yes, sir. it. Yeah, those are you, um, you got some great principles on on business and great principles on life, and I I, I just enjoyed it. I enjoy watching you with the kids and stuff, and watching you uh, introduce. I, I think probably more than anything, anything period. I really enjoy the fact of seeing somebody else promote you know the rule you know way of life, um, you know, and, and reintroducing um, the cowboy. To, you know, a whole new generation that there's something that's so cool about this business. There's something that's so cool about creation. And nowadays, we could use quite a bit of dose of truth. um, Yes, sir. There's never too much of it. And it's it's pretty much kind of like getting on that bull, kind of undeniable. Truth is not something that you can look at and it's subjective and I can, I can see my truth or you can see your truth and we can talk about what we, you know, what's a variable in the, in between, but there's hard line truth. Gravity is truth and, you know, rain falls when it wants to and all kinds of other stuff. And there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of truth in creation. And, um, and I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, is, is really cool about the cowboy way of life is that, um, you know, our lives are spent a lot of time around creation. We're we're really lucky enough to be able to um, to be in that and get to see truth quite often.
0: Yeah, sir. Yeah, I think uh, a miscon. Well, I, I think it's a misconception I, I you know, a lot of people secular humanism is says that truth is relative and what's true for you is true for you. But what's true for me is true for me. And I don't believe that to be true because what if my truth says your truth is a lie? Well, one of us is wrong, you know, and just logically that, that they just both can't be true. You know, I can't say gravity doesn't exist and you say it does exist. One of us is wrong. And, uh, um, because you're true. Anyway, whatever. We're getting into logic. But the point <laughs> is, is um, there is one truth. And I think that, uh, I, you know, I would love for people to take time to consider my truth, um, which is God first, people second, myself third. And Lord mm-hmm. willing, my life reflects that, you know, um, Mark yeah. 12 is where Jesus said that's the most important commandment. So anyhow, yeah. hopefully, hopefully my life reflects that. And then you know, as a secondary benefit, hopefully, you know, we bring people to this industry and are ambassadors of it, um, as well as the country, but most importantly is my faith. So, no, I appreciate you having me and, uh, stay in touch. We'll do it again sometime. You bet. Thanks much, man. Yes, and sir. What is it? Pow, pow. On to the next one.
1: <laughs> Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. You've been listening to the go time podcast with Todd Martin. If you'd like to know more about the Go Time podcast, Todd Martin or Todd Martin Performance Horses, you can visit us at toddmartin.net. We're going to be putting up some merchandise on there, too, for the podcast. And also, please, if you get the time and you like it, share with a friend, give us a like and a review. I guess all that stuff kind of really helps and helps us get it out there to more people to be able to enjoy the podcast. So until next time, Go Time.